Welcome to the Roanoke Weekly Podcast. My name is Brad, and I'm here with Ariel and Xavier again. How are you guys doing? Hi, good morning. Good How's morning, everybody? Good morning. How is everybody? I'm doing all right. Good stuff over here. Yeah. My daughter is sick, but that's all right. That's Probably cool. got the same thing you got over here. So if Xavier yeah. sounds all stopped up today. I'll We've do got limited talking. <laughs> the allergy pain cave yes. representing strong today. <laughs> Well, let's uh, let's uh, jump into the news, shall we? Let's do it, Brad. All right. I'm Tell us what's excited. up. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, you know, perhaps the biggest national story that Roanoke is associated with this week is that Paul Manafort apparently wants to move his trial to Roanoke. Uh, for those of you that don't know, Paul Manafort is associated with the Trump administration. This trial, if I'm not mistaken, is actually for... Uh, some fraudulent loan activity, uh, but he does not believe he can get a fair trial in the D.C. area and wants it moved to Roanoke. Looks like jury tampering was also involved, which that sounds hilarious. I don't know what that means. Is that like he was trying to pick his own jury or something? Well, he uh, he's concerned, I think, that uh, he won't get a fair trial because there's so many Democrats in the Northern Virginia area. And they will not do that. That's one of the things they've wow. said. He thinks he can get a more fair trial with a more Republican area down here. Also that we have a smaller media footprint and less broadband so that they won't be as likely to have followed the news about him. So that's a, that's a fun story in some ways. doesn't make us look the best. I, I was going to say, yeah, that definitely doesn't look. <laughs> I'll be interested to see if this does happen, uh, what groups in Roanoke will respond either positively or negatively, but how we will sort of make stories around this, you know, similar to like when we found out Deschutes might be coming to Roanoke and everybody did the Deschutes to Roanoke campaign. I wonder if there will be some sort of, (laughs) you know, (laughs) similar but different campaign around this uh, coming to Roanoke event. How often does that actually happen where somebody can actually move their child to a... I don't think it's it's particularly uncommon. I think, uh, but I, you know, Something that's this politicized, I think right. it's kind of rare for us to see that. And then, you know, it's hard to know as well. Like, all of this is so politicized. And right. so, you know, a lot of people will assume this is about Russian stuff, but I don't think that's actually been shown to have any play in this particular case. So, who knows? All I'm saying is that his name, uh, Manafort, you know, I'm, uh, if you're going to do a rally of some kind, uh, Manafort for Paul, you know, the names are already there and ready to go if you, if you want to have, have your say. But let's talk about something else really politicized now, which is pipeline activity in the area. It's come up every time we've talked thus far. Yes, and uh, the news continues to come fast and furious, although I'm not sure much of it seems like news at this point in some ways. But the pipeline activity after a week off has resumed. Um, They're still waiting on some stuff from the Department of Environmental Quality from the state, but uh, it kind of just seems like we're moving forward at this point. Yeah. And what was that? Uh, we were talking earlier about how in Franklin County there's some activity. Um, yeah, so Franklin County, they don't know for sure yet, but there's a couple Board of Supervisors members in Franklin County that are opposed to the pipeline that are uh, asking that this county investigate getting reimbursed for the costs that the pipeline has incurred for law enforcement and for others. It looks like it'd be about $7,000 at this point, which is not a great deal. Oh, wow. hmm. uh, but, you know, that's... Everything counts in some of these things. So absolutely. But 
who knows? That's uh, it's an ongoing thing, and I'm I'm sure we will be back with more information about that at some point. You know, up. it's it's interesting too to continue to talk about this. Um, similarly to a lot of news stories, I feel recently, where the more it is in the news, the more we get it. It's more just like updates on an ongoing story, and it doesn't really feel as um, pressing or as mm. um, urgent as possibly it did early on. And I think that does kind of numb people to the exposure, you know, constant exposure to it. It gets more and more normal, just like things that come out about the current administration, you know, normalizing all that. And I'm, I'm curious if that's what's happening with this is like, you know, people tried really hard, things kind of happened. It was great. And then now we're just like getting updates on what's happening to us. Hmm. Well, it's also hard. I think we've talked about this, I think off the air in the past, but I think that there's something to be said, too, for the difficulty of the news coverage for some of this stuff. That the run of times, it's really hard, I think, to write about this stuff in a way that isn't going to make somebody mad. And so I think the run of times and WDBJ and all of the local folks will sometimes uh, take a safer tone, which I think allows that to be normalized in a certain way, which that's not necessarily their fault. It's not necessarily their job not to normalize it, but it is uh, an interesting conversation to have in some ways. Yeah, I mean, leave it to the comment section to really fire you up. I just <laughs> scrolled down to it. It's it's lit down there. <laughs> Always. Oh, my. Well, to kind of get all of our political stuff out of the way in some ways, we also got news this week that Tim Kaine has opened his office in the area. where uh, I believe you had some information on where that is. Where is that going to be? It's on Franklin Road uh, behind the Ramada, in sort of next to downtown Roanoke um, near the Greenway. So... Uh, plenty of parking over there and access to the Greenway. <laughs> Otherwise, it's an interesting choice, we think. But, hey, great area of town. Uh, we are not campaign advisors, so nope. perhaps they know better. Than <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was it was uh, a big deal when he announced. They went out, they did the announcement, and then they went out to Big Lick Brewery and actually was there, not necessarily for the event. I was there just to grab dinner, but... Um, you know, seeing all of the elected officials together and everybody was very excited and seemed very positive atmosphere. Um, and lots of people came out. So if he's looking for support, he clearly already has a good start. Hmm. Well, I also, uh, I got a reaction when I shared that we were going to talk about this story before we came on air, but the Krispy Kreme property, which had the fire in, in Northwest Roanoke has been sold it looks like O'Reilly Auto Parts is going to be moving into it. This is coming from WDBJ7, but uh, you didn't seem particularly pleased about that. Exactly. I'm not. I, I really thought it was going to be another Krispy Kreme. Uh, I live right behind there, so I was hoping that that was going to well, be it a, might be better for your health. That it's I know, not right? Yeah. Not with these allergies. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I think it is interesting for that, that particular area. How long have you been up in that area now? I would say since 1999. So, I mean, was was that shopping center across the street from Krispy Kreme thriving at that point, or was it? I I don't remember it. I remember a church being there. Um, I've always remembered the AutoZone being there, and I've always remembered the Krispy Kreme being there. But I don't remember that being a thriving shopping center. Um, not like it. I guess it's going to be, um, but it, I mean, it's always been there. It's always been a, a, a location for the Northwest community. I just think it's interesting from this, there's new 
new energy theoretically moving in and hope we can hope that that's going to do something yeah i think it definitely will um i know they have a salon over there now and they have um the save a lot over there so i think i think the more and more that is put into that neighborhood the the more thriving it will be Hmm. i love seeing i love seeing stuff come over there because it is such a um look down on neighborhood the melrose area so i love when new things do come so I think it's good. Very good. Well, uh, Mary Bishop, longtime reporter in the area, and one of uh, Roanoke's, I think, I don't, uh, I don't know the quite the right term, but favorite people in some ways. Her uh, has had a new book release called "Don't You Ever: uh, My Mother and Her Secret Son," which I think is uh, really exciting for Roanoke people that care about books, and I might count myself in that category. Yeah, so. it's a memoir of a very personal nature and um i haven't read all of mary bishop's uh investigative journalism or any uh, you know in in depth but we've worked with her through city works expo and uh some close mutual friends and she is just an incredibly important person in roanoke who has done a lot of investigative historic storytelling through the lens of what has happened to roanoke in terms of urban renewal and development um, and I think she's just one of those people that did the hard and important work of capturing so much of the narrative of Roanoke that gets otherwise ignored or pushed aside. Um, and it's just, it's going to be really cool to get this, get, hear this story from her in this personal way hmm. as well. She's also the nicest person you'll ever meet. <laughs> <laughs> I take offense at that. <laughs> Besides Brad sorry, <laughs> and Xavier. And, Appreciate it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I do think it kind of in her legacy, it's interesting to me that the Roanoke Times has run um, a longer form article this week, which I think is an interesting thing. They haven't done particularly many of these that I've seen, but this particular one on milk production and how milk costs are lower than ever and how milk farmers are thus struggling from it, uh, and particularly focused in places like Franklin County, which has some of the largest amounts of milk production in the state, which is just, I think it's an interesting thing from the Roanoke Times perspective of doing a longer form piece, but also that, uh, you know, the longer downturn in costs for agriculture is an interesting trend for us to follow nationwide. It's important to keep in mind that the agriculture industry is still really, it's still really essential and critical to this region. Mm-hmm. You know, living in Roanoke City, it's sometimes easy to forget that they were surrounded by farm country, including dairy farm, um, meat farms, things like that. So when the international scene around those things changes, it does affect the local people who are doing that here, just like gas prices or any of those other sort of, um, what are they called, just essential items, you know. So those are our neighbors. We got to remember that. Hmm. And on that same food front, we have some liquid food, new available liquid food at a few old goats in the old. <laughs> That's a really building. kind of gross way to say that, but <laughs> I was, it's I was, a good segue. I was like, Where is this going? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, liquid nourishment. I don't. I don't know why that came up, but. Um, uh, it, you know, this would be an apropos moment to say as well that if any brewery wants to sponsor the podcast, we will be happy to do so. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I stopped by on their grand opening night, um, which was last Friday. Uh, it was the night where it was rainy, and they have this really great patio. It's in the um, West End Flats building, so there's 
you know, apartments or, or yeah, apartments around it. And then there's a great little patio outside and the breweries inside in the middle of the building. And with the patio, there's plenty of room for everybody. But since everybody went inside, it was so crowded that we walked in and pretty much immediately were like, okay, we'll come back later because it was packed to the walls full of people. So great opening night for them, I'm sure. Um, looks like they had a lot of good selection. It's all local people owning it. It's not like a existing brewery that's opening a second spot. So okay. it's kind of a different story than we've heard lately with our brewery scene. Um, and it's in this really interesting historic building, the old community health department building, which, um, you know, it's nice to see that actually have some stuff in it instead of sitting there vacant like it did for a number of years. And it just also shows that we have a lot of economic development activity moving toward the West End from downtown. So the West Station side of downtown on toward the West End neighborhood, everything's sort of trickling down Campbell Avenue that way, which is very interesting to watch, especially as a store owner on that side of downtown. <laughs> I was going to say, do you want to you take a moment to share some, uh, some about the coolest shop on that part of town? Um, well, there's downshift, so I don't think, I, <laughs> I don't think I'm the coolest shop. Um, you know, the, well, I've been trying to make West Station a thing. So technically that side of downtown is West Station, um, and I'm kind of trying to make that a thing. But in West Station, there's a couple of retail stores, downshift, and then my shop, Virginia Design Collective. Uh, on Campbell Avenue, and we have a brand new food truck that opened last week called the Opes Brothers Food Truck. It's fantastic. Tuco's, Beamer's, Big Lick Brewery, um, and Second Cup Cafe, which will hopefully be opening soon on on my same intersection right in there. And then the Jefferson Center is close by, and then a few old goats is just down the street too. So uh, basically none of those places existed like four years ago, um, and we're just seeing things pop up there pretty rapidly. So, of course, it's important to measure that success with what the impact on the community is. There's, of course, a lot of um, human services buildings down there, too. So we got to make sure we're not displacing that. But um, as a retail business owner down there, it's pretty exciting to watch that happen. So it's almost like branding a whole different part of downtown. Mm -hmm. So if you look at the, the apartment complex that Beamers is in, that building is called lofts at west station West Station, yeah and i didn't ever make connect the dots but technically i think there is a business district or an arts district on that side of town called the west station Mm. district that was established a few years ago and then nothing really happened with it so as time goes on and as things start to pop up there i think it's important to start telling people that there is yeah that there is like another little bubble of activity because down campbell avenue from the market area is not, you know, once you get past, what is it, like 2nd Street or 1st Street, there's not a lot of retail along Campbell. Right. It's like the the jail and a bunch of lawyers <laughs> and the underway and everything. So you kind of have to, like, get past that to get down to West Station. So got to give people a reason to come down there. Hmm. Yeah. I'll send updates as they occur. Very <laughs> good. Well, I do know that one of the main reasons people would visit Roanoke in the past was because we had one of the only airports that had a propeller plane coming to it regularly <laughs> in the form of the uh, Dash 8 turboprop. But it is very sad news for some of us and very happy news for others of us that <laughs> the turbo, the Dash 8 has, is no longer going to be serving the Roanoke airport. So that distinctive propeller plane will no longer be seen over our, our fair city. Ariel is Bye. wistfully smiling and saying thank you. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure it's safe and all that, but yeah, I'm a fan of any updates 
to planes to make them, I don't know, safer and better, personally. Flying is scary, so. Amen. I always felt bad when we were flying folks in for Expo, and I didn't warn them that they were going to be on a propeller plane. I felt mm-hmm. like that was like something I should warn everybody about. Yeah, absolutely. Was you guys have any other local news you want to touch on this week? I'm all set. Good deal. Yeah, I'm good. All right. I'm good. Well, why don't we talk about international and national stuff? Although I think we all have international stories this week. Xavier, why don't you kick us off and share a little bit about your story this week? All right. I thought this was pretty interesting. Um, and I took, I kind of grasped, grasped to it because I went to school with a lot of Ethiopians and Eritreans, and they would always make that difference if you would call them, hey, are you Ethiopian or whatever? And they would say, no, I'm Eritrean. Like, don't disrespect me. <laughs> so um, I read that the war has ended. Um, it actually ended Monday. Yeah, Monday, Eritrea and Ethiopia signed an agreement to end the war between the countries. Um, so I thought that was pretty cool. Um, actually, going to Uganda and being so close to uh, Ethiopia, you, I was asking questions about the history and stuff, and they said, it's just this is not the place to go right now. Mm-hmm. But now it's like you can actually go. Well, I don't know how safe it is right now, but to know that that's over, mm-hmm. I think that's pretty huge. Mm-hmm. So. It's. I think it's worth noting at the same time that Ethiopia is one of the the only African country that was not fully colonized, if I'm not mistaken. Right. Uh, and so they have a, some such a distinct culture, and in, in, in many ways, that it's absolutely. Such, uh, it's exciting to think of that being a place that that can become more open for tourism, right? And stuff. And yeah, I definitely. Now that it's, um, I'm sure it'll take some more years um, for it to be completely safe. But I would love to go. I would absolutely love to go. Hmm. Well, very good. What have you got for us this week, Aaron? Yeah, that was the good news. Um, <laughs> I wanted to bring up, I'm sure most people have heard this is uh, ongoing, just a headline, is the um, the young soccer team and their coach who got trapped in the cave in Thailand. Um, looks like at this point they've been able to get eight of the boys out, and that means there are four more, and their coach are still inside the cave. Basically what happened was these, these this team went on a cave exploration and got trapped by some floodwaters. Um, and unfortunately the path to get out is very tricky, and it takes expert dri- divers hours, and they've had to take these, these like children who are not doing super well because they've been in a cave for like two weeks now. Um, through this really complex dive to get them out. So it seems like things are going well, all things considered. They're getting them out. But the latest headline is that the operation is suspended because they need to get more supplies to this relatively remote location. Um, So we'll, you know, we'll be keeping our thoughts and sending a lot of hopeful light their way. But man, I don't know about you guys, but this story gives me the big time heebie-jeebies and cave stuff is very scary in general, but I think it's this, this town has really rallied around this cause and I'm just really hopeful. It's yeah. Something, my claustrophobia gets a little, makes me nervous just thinking about Mm -hmm. it in some ways. One of the coolest parts of this that I read, not that any of it's super cool, but, um, they're trying to pump the water out of the cave and in doing so they're flooding a lot of the nearby rice farms and they, some of the um, farm owners were interviewed, and the interviewer asking, you know, 
are you upset that your crop is destroyed? And they were like, are you kidding? No, that wow. we have to save these boys. Like this is all the community is doing right now is they're all working to save these kids um, mm. as much as they can. I mean, clearly it's a few small, a small group of very talented divers that are doing the lion's share of the yeah. work here. But yeah, the whole community is watching and, and trying to help, which, you know, silver lining. That's really good. I, I can understand the flooding part because when it rains in Thailand, it rains mm-hmm. and it only takes about five minutes for it to flood. Well, I think that's part of the concern is that they're worried that the rain is, is going to yeah. come and make it even harder to get folks out. Yeah, they need to act quickly, but, you know, they're doing what they can. It's, uh, I will say, you say small team. I think they, they, there were at one point yesterday 90 divers along the way trying Ooh. to help these these kids 90. out, which is... Yeah, it sounds like they're handing off the boys as they yeah. um, come through this tunnel of water, of murky water. <sighs> um and how exactly how long have they been in the cave? Two, three weeks. Two, three weeks. Yeah. yeah. It's uh, yeah. Yep. It's the Chilean miners of our 2018. You know. Yeah, and I just feel so bad for the the coach that's down there with them, who clearly made a bad decision, and now I can't imagine the stress that he's under, having to keep those kids calm and stuff down there. Jeez. He's only 25. Oh. <laughs> okay, Just let's move on. Just think about this next time you go on a hike. <laughs> yeah, I know, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Let's, let's, yeah. We'll keep an eye on it, but, oof. Okay. Well, I'm here to bring you your weird slash slightly scary story for the week um, to build off of Ariel's terrifying story, mm-hmm. which is um, about... Two, three months ago, there was uh, a, a former spy. I don't know if you can ever be a former spy, but apparently a former spy that um, was poisoned uh, and found on a public bench, essentially on the verge of death, uh, with poisoned by this Russian nerve agent called Novichuk. I believe I'm pronouncing that correct, but I'm probably wrong. Uh, they were able to recover from that. It became a huge international incident that the British blamed the Russians for trying to poison these folks. Well, now, all of a sudden, last week, two more people were admitted to hospital being having been poisoned by the same nerve agent, um, and one of them has now died. Uh, but this is in a small town southwest of London, and no one really knows what's going on. Uh, it reads like something from a spy novel, but it's really quite, quite strange and creepy, and, you know, if I were living yeah. there, I'd be freaking out a little bit. Uh, Anytime I hear nerve agent, I'm a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. It does sound like weird. a Netflix TV show. That's exactly what I was thinking about. It's like you were explaining a movie. Well, it is, I mean, like, I don't know if you guys are familiar with um, Japan had an incident in the 90s where there was sarin gas released in the subways. I don't know if you guys are familiar <laughs> uh-uh. with this. I think like nine folks died and several hundred were taken ill by it. Uh, terrifying stuff, but they just put the, to death the person who was responsible for that uh, very quietly in Japan. But it is there's something about nerve agents that are just really strange and freaky, I think. So anyway, now that I'm thoroughly, hopefully freaked some of you guys out about weird chemicals, and apparently the first folks were somebody put something on their door so that they would inhale it. So just know that you know if you see anything freaky, you know 
it's probably the Russians coming to get you. So, uh, bottom line, Putin's after you. Just one more thing to be paranoid about. <laughs> Add it to the list. Well, Ariel, do you want to share some events for this week? Sure. With us? We'll wrap up with some events, local events. Um, so on July the 19th at 6 p.m. at the CoLab, you could come meet our newly elected Vice Mayor Joe Cobb. Uh, he'll be here to just chat with folks and get to know people a little bit. It's part of the ongoing series, Meet Roanoke City's Decision Makers, that the CoLab's putting on. So you can come out to that. Um, this is an ongoing event that I just wanted to bring up. I don't think I've talked about it yet, but... Uh, there is a group in Roanoke that takes people on free walking tours around town, specifically in Old Southwest. It's the Gaberhood walking tour. Um, they talk about how Roanoke's Old Southwest neighborhood is, has been and is currently the city's Gaberhood, quote. And you can learn about the history of the unique inner city neighborhood that's provided a home for gay and lesbian residents for the past 50 years. It's a really interesting tour. They go around and talk about the different sort of sanctuary areas, the different bars, the places that were brothels, like all of this really interesting history that has totally been put aside by, you know, you know, because of people thinking it's not like important to say or whatever this group is really bringing it to the surface. And so it's for everybody to come out. It's an easy walking tour and it's super interesting. That's on July 22nd from two to 4.30 PM. Um, and then it looks like there's a really great event coming up in Southeast Roanoke called the Love Southeast Fest. It's the first annual festival and it's part of the, the new movement to just really embrace the Southeast of Roanoke and celebrate this neighborhood. It's at Jackson Park on Saturday, the 28th from 12 to 4 PM. Um, and it looks like they're also recruiting activity hosts. Maybe that's like vendors or people to volunteer. Mm -hmm. um, so you can go on Facebook and message them or email them at iheartse at yahoo.com. So yeah, that's going to be cool for that neighborhood and for people who want to come celebrate that neighborhood, even if you don't live there. That's all I've got. Very good. And Xavier, why don't you share a little bit about uh, the cleanup stuff that you mentioned last time since this won't be going out. Yeah, so um, the date is set for July 22nd. Um, the time is 11 to 4. Uh, you can email uh, thehumblehustleco at gmail.com or contact Jordan Bell on Facebook. Uh, we'll meet there and we'll have supplies. We'll have lunch. Um, we'll have a little history lesson about the Gainesboro neighborhood. Um, and it'll be a really good time. And where are you guys going to be meeting? We'll meet, we'll meet at the Lawson Building um, in the Gainesboro neighborhood. So that's um, you can't miss it as soon as you turn into the Gainesboro. As soon as you turn on to Gainesboro, uh, you'll see the Lawson building. You'll see everybody outside. And just uh, look us up on Facebook. Uh, contact me uh, if you have any questions. <laughs> okay. Well, good deal. Anything else you guys want to share this week? Mm. I'm, glad the, I'm glad the fireworks are over. Oh. I'm really glad the fireworks are over. My dog is going crazy. <laughs> yeah, my dog doesn't like him either. Yeah. Somebody was lighting him off last night. Yeah. It's like getting rid of all the back stock. Yeah. And it's nice that the heat is broken, I will say. That's been that's yeah. been a real gift. Thank yeah. you um, to the world for providing us this respite from this <laughs> Well, very good. We'll be back next week. But in the meantime, uh, feel free to reach out if you have anything that's new. Thank you. Thank you. Bye.